TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you and gee whiz, I'm so excited to introduce the co-founder of The Wellness Couch, my brother from another mother, you're my best friend, ooh, you make me, <laughs> Damien Christoph, how are you, legend? That's a great song, great legend, so great, so great to be uh, here with you, everything's good, been great weather down here in Melbourne. Oh, great weather um, down in Melbourne, great weather up here in South Golden Beach, great weather hopefully wherever our listeners are in the world. Wherever and you are, wherever you are. Wherever you just are. Look for the shiny, shiny, shiny. And, and, just, and, and just because we are up and about when we're talking to each other, geez, you put a smile on my face, it can be raining right now and it can be, and it can be like great weather, particularly if you're in a drought-stricken part of Australia. Uh, you don't want it to be hot and sunny. You want it to be raining like no one's business. So wherever you are in the world, we hope the weather is is treating you well. But Damo, we've got bigger fish to fry on this episode. This episode, of course, brought to you by the 100 Not Out Longevity Experience 2019 edition on the Greek island of Ikaria. 10 of the most, and I was processed two applications for this trip this week, Damo, so I've been banging on about Ikaria nonstop. But I tell these people, 10 of the most <laughs> life-changing days you could ever lay hands on. Uh, yeah. Those days could be yours if you apply to join us. It is by application only. I apologize in advance because step two of the application does sound like a job interview and all of the attendees or the applicants go, so did I pass the interview? And uh, it, it does feel a bit awkward mm. sometimes when you're asking the hard questions, but it is by application only mm. because it is a mm. very special 10 days on this beautiful Greek island. All you need to do is go to 100notout.com, check out the highlights videos, the attendee experiences, all of the details are there, 100notout, that's 100notout.com and then Damo or myself will make contact with you to see if you'll be joining us in September of 2019. Cannot wait, legend. Mm, Me neither. I've been talking about it the last couple of days just with practice members at work and uh, and then just chatting just with people, just in general. I was at the gym the other day talking to a guy about, you know, Greece and what I do. I was at the golf course talking about it. You played with a Greek, didn't you? Didn't you play with a Greek and he I wasn't Greek even one, aware yeah. of a career? And and he didn't even know that, he, yeah, he didn't even know that a career existed. And he, the island that he was, you know, frequenting because his mum's got a place on there is like literally an island off the coast of Icaria. Like it's hilarious. So. Yeah. Um, maybe it was the way I was saying it, but I, just think <laughs> kind of, I think he was uh, just unaware. But as you know, everyone's fascinated by Ikaria. I mean, even our great mate Carl Broccoli, who's over there at the moment, yes. you know, doing videos of longevity and all that sort of stuff. You know, Tim, his business partner, um, or his um, office manager—I don't know what they get called. I think he's his office manager. He uh, was on the phone to Thayer, our great friend Thayer, for two hours yesterday getting all the intel on the, and the lowdown on Ikaria and what's going on there. So, I uh, people are loving it. People are absolutely wanting a piece of Ikaria. Absolutely. And we can't wait to interview the great Kale Brock. We tried to get him on in the middle of Okinawa, but just couldn't make yes. it happen. But when he's back on home soil, we'll have a chat with uh, Kale to get an update on the longevity movie, which... He says he's going to be released October, November, which is, we'll be back from my career by then. There'll be lots to talk about. It'll be exciting to see what uh, Kale, where's he going? Uh, Okinawa, Sardinia, and uh, Ikaria. Are they the three places? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's right. And But I think it might even be out before then because Tim mentioned to me, Tim asked me, yes, he said, you might want to do a, a world first movie premiere of the longevity movie in Ikaria. <laughs> so might I? And uh, so, well, we could but, uh, we could that, with our with our attendees. There'd be there'd be a a world premiere of maximum sixteen people, but we could all sit around the <laughs> dinner table with a bit of local wine and I don't know if they have popcorn yes. in Ikari, but they definitely have hot chips. And um, well, apparently they have a, a hall. There's a hall where they show movies. Apparently they don't have a hall know. in Ikaria. I was thinking, where was the hall? They have a church. They have oh. churches everywhere. Maybe it's in the church. Yeah, but it's not in Nars. There's no, no way because it's not. No, it's too no. small. There's a there's a two thousand year old amphitheater down by the beach. <laughs> yeah, um, there. so anyway, well, fun and games. Um, now a little bit closer to home, Damo. I was just telling you earlier. I'm uh, getting a little bit excited because. Um, my Exceptional Life Blueprint Live uh, is coming back after a two-year hiatus back to Byron Bay in May uh, this year. And uh, this sounds very selfish, but I'm generally uh, speaking at wellness couch events and other events for 40 minutes or so. And uh, again, I'm going to sound like a selfish first child here. I get two days to talk about all things exceptional living and a lot of what we learn on 100 Not Out. And um, I've been doing a bit of a preparation demo. And um, I'd love to well, run this. Have. It's been two years. I can't believe it's been two years. Two years. I mean, well, I took the last amazing. year off. There must have been, uh, generally, if I take a year off, it's like with your career when we took a year off. I'm like, well, generally, it's family related. But there's so much going on in the family life. But um, I go, yeah, it's two years since I've had 16 hours to share all this exceptional life um, principles with. And I've been adding some new, I suppose, philosophies and thoughts, and I'd love to run some of them by you. I haven't even told anyone about this. I haven't spoken to Sarah about it. I've just been by myself in a cafe kind of creating and researching and thinking and philosophizing. At the footbridge. At the footbridge, yes, you know, at the footbridge uh, in Brunswick Heads. Um, yes. And, uh, and I thought, well, can I just run this by you and our listeners and some of our listeners might want to come to Byron Bay and explore this life purpose uh, stuff a whole lot more, but can I, I run this by? Because you're a part yeah. of you're a part of this, um, and maybe maybe can I just? I don't want to sound boring. If I just read the first page of this chapter, it might just bring it bring it to light, and then we can have a chat about it. Can I do that? Okay, I'm just co- yeah, going totally off yeah. the cuff here. All right, this is this <laughs> is uh, chapter three, uh, part two. How to identify your life's task? There are numerous ways to discover your life's purpose. Also referred to as your life's task, your life's work, your dharma, the reason you were born to live, and more. For many, one's life purpose is born out of a crisis of some kind. For others, it can be a magnificent obsession or other ways. But if we look at crisis, crisis can create clarity. Now, the reason you were born to live has likely been born out of one or a combination of the following crises, a physical health crisis, a financial crisis, a family crisis, a social crisis, a political, cultural, or religious crisis, or even an environmental crisis. If it's not a crisis that has lit a fire under you, your drive may come from resistant family members. The life purpose of Dr. Sanduk Ruit, referred to as the God of Sight in his native Nepal, was presented to him in the form of a family crisis after his younger sister, Yangla, died. Her death from TB was medically preventable, and it was only through a lack of finances that she couldn't be kept alive. Dr. Ruit decided then to become a doctor and is today one of the world's most respected ophthalmologists. Eddie JQ is the happiest man you will ever meet. His life purpose was sowed in the seed of the Holocaust, a political, cultural, social, and religious crisis today, age 99. I actually have been calling Eddie to wish him happy 
100th birthday, but he's actually 99. Um, any teachers, whoops, any teachers and inspires humanity to cleanse themselves of hate, a toxic disease brutally portrayed by the Nazi movement during World War II. Malala Yousafzai is a trailblazer for female education. The strength of Malala's life purpose only intensified when she was shot in the head by a member of the Taliban whilst on the school bus in her small Pakistani village and survived. The physical crisis she experienced and broke through has only added to her power and influence around the globe, culminating in a Nobel Peace Prize. Churia Pitt's life purpose was born after a physical and spiritual crisis. Pitt suffered first-degree burns to 85% of her body during the ill-fated Kimberley's fires during an ultramarathon some years ago. Temple Grandin's physical crisis was called autism, a newly coined condition back in the 1950s when the conventional medical treatment plan was to be institutionalized. Grandin thought in pictures, couldn't read, had a different conversational style and many other nuances we now know to be present in autistic people. Grandin has transformed the way we treat animals and also the way we view autism. It's only from her autism that we know of Grandin's work. Due to a number of circumstances, Normie Rowe's parents didn't make it uh, as musicians. Growing up watching his parents sing and entertain at family gatherings, Rowe developed a magnificent obsession with music and performance. He went on to become Australia's self-proclaimed king of pop and a national music icon. A magnificent obsession is often met with major family resistance to that obsession. Einstein, Mozart and Darwin are just three examples, whilst Paulo Coelho, the author of The Alchemist, what Oprah Winfrey calls the book of the century, fought against major family resistance to become a writer. Coelho's parents admitted their son to a psychiatric hospital three times, hoping he would quote-unquote come to his senses and choose a more practical, secure profession than the creative arts. Thankfully, Quayle defied his family to arguably become the author of the 21st century. A derivative of the parent who didn't make it um, is the family quest for fame and wealth, which can be cultural measures of success. One could mount a strong case for musicians, including Michael Jackson and Mozart, and tennis players such as Andre Agassi and Yelena Dokic being physically forced into a career they didn't consciously choose. Their gifts to the world are beyond measure, each example here leaving an incredible legacy to their profession and fans, but at a significant mental, emotional, spiritual, and often physical toll. So the question, Damo, is it a gift or is it a curse, given that a lot of these life purposes are born out of crisis? What say you, great man? Oh, far out. Well, it's kind of, it depends on how you end up looking at it. You look at all of those um, catastrophes or crises that turned into opportunities. And maybe that's just the way in which that person dealt with it. But, but you know, because there would be other people that would have crises and catastrophes that would just absolutely melt and buckle. So, yes, we celebrate champions who rise from the fire like a phoenix. That's exactly what's happening in this sort of situation. Um, but there's other people that would go, oh, poor you, woe is, woe is you, woe is me, um, you know, and then share in, in the wallows and the sorrows of those people. Maybe it's those people that don't rise from the ashes that um, would see this as a curse as opposed to a uh, – you know, as as a, as a win. Does as that a make sense? Yeah, one hundred percent. And this is this is. And so maybe that, yes. that's you know, depending on the way in which you look at it, the way in which you actually see those sorts of situations, and you could reflect on your own past. Like you could go, well, how did I ha- have I had a crisis, and how did I get out of it? What what was the net result? Um, did I rise from it, like the phoenix, or did I sink and shrivel up, and you go into a little hole and become more and more depressed? And 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 maybe if 
if you're open to the idea of this, maybe that's where learning might come from. Maybe trying to find a way to deal with crises better and flip it uh, and, and make something of it um, might be uh, useful to you. Well this, is, well, this is what so many people love, be it consciously or not. People love, and when I, when, again, when I sit with my coffee and philosophize about this, a, lot of, a large chunk of your life purpose came from a physical crisis called chronic fatigue syndrome. You could argue if you take it back even earlier, um, growing up, as we've shared before, family crises and financial crises have shaped a large part of who you are as well. Um, but then you decided to make the most out of those challenges rather than have a pity party. So, my whole, I suppose, slant on this when I do it in event mode is when people go, well, I don't know what my life's dedicated to. I don't know what, what you know, the purpose of my life is. I'm like, well, look at the challenges and crises that you've had in your life and there's some chance that the seed of your life purpose was born when you had those events happen. But maybe up until this point, as you were just suggesting, Damo, you've seen it as a curse rather than a gift. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look totally at your, I, yeah, sorry. When you look at your chronic fatigue, do you look at it yeah. as as I do, as you know, a seed of that your professional life? Because up until um, that I point, I observe but, it as the you know accountant, accountancy student that couldn't pass accountancy, which is is not a like that is just so. I'm like, well, all the clues were there. You were never going to be an accountant because you weren't going to pass it. So, thank God you got chronic fatigue so that you met the naturopath so that you went down the next step and was awed by that and studied. You know what? Like, that's the way I view it. But, yeah, how do you view it? I think it's all upon reflection because I don't know if in the moment many people can actually just do that. Go, oh, bugger, I just lost a quarter of a million dollars. That's all right. I'll just get up and do it again. Yep. You know, like I agree. It's, yep. most, it's a reflective thing. So, I think it builds upon your character. Um, have, you, have you got the chumbawamba um, in you to be able to, you know, <laughs> Get knocked down and get back up again. You know, oh, that is too that? good. Oh, that is too I just, good. I just invented that. That is too just good. Have you one. got the chumba one? But Brett Hill would love that because I remember at a wellness summit once he played that song. Um, maybe shortly yeah. after his separation uh, from Beck, yes. I think maybe yeah. he played that song as his intro. Um, <laughs> Have you got the chumbawamba in you, like, or don't you? Because if you don't, then you will reflect back on those sorts of crises and go. Oh, well, you might have a bit more of an E or kind of experience. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's doubled up. He's gone a Chumbawamba and an E or. Oh, this is fantastic. (laughs) I wonder if he's got a third one in him. We'll find out shortly, folks. Well, I think this is spot on, though. My My whole view on it is that the wisdom only comes from reflection. I mean... I don't, I don't want people to even put the pressure on themselves to be all Buddha-like and go and meditate five seconds after some major crisis has occurred, come to peace with it in the moment. And oh, I, I, oh, this sounds, some people might make this sound limiting, but you've got to go through the human moment of grief or challenge or pity party or anger or frustration or resentment or whatever it is. Um, don't you? I mean... I don't think that, you know, we've just been t- doing episode after episode on death recently and it's like we wouldn't expect anyone in, the, in those families to be bouncing out of bed the next day. Well, no, you wouldn't. I agree with you. You wouldn't expect them to be bouncing out of bed and there is that definitely um, the process of grieving and I think it's important to still go through all that and I think, you know, I often I reflect on a time in my life when I had a serious significant separation and my bounce back from the separation was so quick 
because I did a breakthrough experience um, that I don't think I ever really did a proper grieving process. And so it might have, I don't know whether or not I got over it better or whether I was stronger for it or whether I saw things differently or I became very cold or, or maybe it was all of the above. But I think it's really important that you actually go through a grieving process in a crisis um, and then give yourself some clarity uh, outside of that afterwards. Because I think, like you said before, um, a crisis or um, I think you said crisis brings clarity. Was it crisis mm-hmm. brings clarity? Yep. Well, it can. I mean, your point is very well, valid. Chaos, is chaos it- brings clarity. Chaos brings clarity is what you said, I think. And and I love that whole concept because it does. But you need to be able to sit with it. You need to be able to just go through the feelings, the emotions, what it's doing to you, how it's making you feel, how it's rocking your boat. Um, and, and that whole process um, will help you, you know, rise out of the ashes and, and become and become a better version. Um, but if you, I think if you, you push it aside or you find ways to justify or you find ways just to neutralize the emotion, um, you kind of miss out on some of that human experience. Yeah. Well, so, so you know, when we speak to, again, we often use the example of Holocaust survivors, but it just rings in my ears that there are people that we've interviewed that say that there are Holocaust survivors that are still in a Holocaust. It's like that they are not doing what you were talking about earlier where uh, there is a large majority of people that will refuse to look at the gift of their experiences and will instead choose to give it a, a lifetime definition of a curse and not see and, – and, and as Eddie, JQ often reminds us, he doesn't forget what happened in uh, World War Two, but he has learnt to love and to remove hate from his life because he recognises mm. very clearly that, that hate is – corrosive but not not that is a minority view like without sounding like uh, pardon my pun here but that is the exceptional view because the majority view is that you do hold on to it you definitely don't forgive you uh well what, obviously we don't forget but you definitely don't forgive um we hate you know the people uh that did that and that as as other people will say that only holds the haters back so then if I throw this back at you again, because you have turned yes. it around, whether you, you know, whether you view it as conscious or not, um, but again, like you said, you did a breakthrough experience shortly after a major life challenge. Um, what do you think is the? Uh, how do you open yourself up to shifting your view or belief on something? Because when people come to my event, if it's around life purpose challenge, that the view is, well, I don't know what to do with my life. Well, so my position is, well, let's have a look at some of these crises or where did you have family resistance, particularly when it came to things that you really loved. Well, that person has to go, all right, I'm open to viewing that maybe the gift, maybe the curse is a gift. So how did you come to certain life challenges being, you know, stirring you on or fueling the fire for you to go on and be a better person or achieve greater things? Well... That's a great question, PC. Um, I think for me, it's it's been more around the desire to make sure that I did a better job always. You know, so like if I mowed the lawn when I was a little boy, I'd look to make sure that the wheels um, of the lawnmower went over the uh, the the cut, so yes. that I was always, I was never ever going to leave a mohawk in the lawn. <laughs> and if I ever left a mohawk in the lawn, like I'd have to go back and I'd have to trim it back, and then I'd go around the whole of the lawn again just to make sure that I got it right. You know, it was kind of not necessarily an OCD thing or a perfection thing, but a desire to make things just a little bit better. 
the next time I did it. So if I played cricket, which I did, or if I went for a run, which I did, you know, I was cross-country runner, I was the school swimming captain, all that sort of stuff. Like if I was to do that sort of stuff, I always wanted to be a little bit better than what I was in the last one, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So for me, when I uh, I look at my parenting um, approach, I want to do it better than um, what my mum and dad did. Um, and I've got yardsticks there. Like I've got a yardstick of where my dad, you know, parented me and I've got a yardstick of where uh, my mum parented me and mm. I, I and I want to do better than both of them. Yes. That, that does, that's, that's a not... healthy competitiveness. I love that. I think I'm exactly yeah. the same now you talk about it like that. Yeah. And so it's it's I suppose from a business perspective, when WBC fell away and that was a disaster, a crisis, I wanted to do it better. So I created Forage. So I wanted to do it better. Um, and I believe that I am doing it better, and with absolutely. That, even though it's still hard work. You know, it doesn't mean that it's any easier. Um, but after 20 years, I'm sure I'll be an overnight success with that. I'm sure that's going to happen. <laughs> um, and when I had the um, the misfortune in my practice uh, where I had a uh, an associate leave and um, and take a large portion of the business with her, um, I felt gutted, like gutted for a long, long time. Um, and I still feel. Um, upset about it, not that I um, hold resentment and probably similar to what Eddie Jaku would talk about in that he remembers it, um, but it doesn't let him define him. Mm. It doesn't define him or, you know, pull him doesn't down. doesn't give, give him the power, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, but what I, I use, I use that as a yardstick to do better the next mm. time around. So now that I've got two new associates in my practice, I'm, I reckon I'm doing a much better job with them than what I did with any of my associates at any point in time. So yes. um, it's just doing it a little bit better. But there's what, an independence I, there, which I love, and I wonder if that's born out of family. Like, there's an independence where at some point, and again, it's easy to talk about this in reflection, but at some point, you took responsibility for your behavior. Like, you decided to do things better. You didn't point to other people and go, well, you stopped me from doing it better. Like, you, you've always got up. You've always chumbawambered. <laughs> I've got to take that. I'm taking that and rolling with it. You have constantly chumbawambered. And uh, put the responsibility and the onus on you and forgotten about the behavior of others because you can't control it. Now, again, whether you use it in that language or not is irrelevant, but the fact is that's that's almost in your nature. And uh, I wonder, like, uh, just, you know, final question before we wrap it up, like, who, who do you think that came from? Like, where do you think you learned that from? Is that something from your late papa? Is it someone, something that you may have learned from your... Your mum, where do you think that, um, and again, maybe it's from no one, maybe it's just you, but where do you think that that independent uh, desire to constantly improve um, began or stemmed from? Uh, it was definitely from my grandfather and my mum, definitely. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at my mum, you know, she'd stay up late at night and she'd paint windsheeters with puff paint and then go to the market and sell them. Um, wow. Or she'd make chocolates, um, you know, out of Just to make a few extra bucks? Just to make some extra bucks. And so wow. she'd be up for hours and hours at night while Troy and I were sleeping and she'd be making, you know, windsheeters just to make ends meet. And then she'd go to the market on a weekend and sell them, Campbell Market, Dandenong Market, wherever, you know. Um, and if she did something wrong on the windsheeter, she'd try hard to do it better. So she'd paint possums and cockatoos and wombats and all that sort of stuff back in the in the era when that was kind of, what people wore, but she uh, she demonstrated to me that there was a, a pursuit of improvement, not a pursuit of perfection, uh, which I really like. Oh, mate, that is 
I just love the stuff that I learned from you on out these episodes. We're up to three hundred and odd, and we're <laughs> still bringing bring out, out new new stuff. I say stuff, and I go, <laughs> I go, where did that come from? I think it's you, Piercy. You do this to people. You do this. You actually bring out things in people that they don't even know is even possible. And I think that anyone that I've ever spoken to that's been to ELB has actually said to me they had no idea that they could have brought those things out in them and. So I think it's you, PC. I think if anyone hasn't done ELB, and this is an unsolicited plug here, <laughs> if you haven't done ELB um, and and you've wondered what ELB um, could do for you, just imagine uh, having Marcus just open you up just a little bit with a little can opener and just letting a little bit come out so that you just you, you learn what's actually inside you, and uh, and and you you will definitely move closer to having an ex- exceptional life as a result. But I. You know, I, I couldn't encourage people more to, you know, get on to Byron Bay and do this ELB thing with you because I've seen so many people's lives change and I've seen this course change over years and I, I can only imagine how good it is having had two years break. It must be unbelievably great. Chomping, so, chomping at the bit. Absolutely. Chomping. Good that is, that is very, very kind of you. You know, um, this, there's one line, our great uh, Ikarian, uh do you call it female brethren? Can you still call? I want to refer to Cheryl Mead. How do you refer? Like, you can't just call people who come to Ikari an alumni. Uh, how do I refer to Cheryl right. Mead? Is she? Uh, well, she's one of our. She's one of the family. Tribe, she's one of the Ikarian immortals. She's an immortal. Yeah, she's an immortal part of the family. She's a family member. Yeah, and this is the. I just want to read the the because uh, again, I don't believe that ELB is mine. It's actually all of the the stories of other people's lives that I tend to share, which is my journalistic nature um, in any case. But Cheryl Mead said, ELB Live is like wisdom on steroids, super growth, super fast with side effects or positive. And that is to this day my favorite one-liner about ELB Live. And again, it's not my wisdom. It's the wisdom of the exceptionals that we share. And Cheryl Mead, she, she, she's got away with words, dear Cheryl. And um, Yes. I, and, I, and I've used it yeah. for the, the headline of this year's event. And so I definitely encourage you. And I thank you, Damo, for those very kind words. And I would invite uh, our listeners that would like to come to Byron. All you need to do is go to marcuspierce.com.au. That's Pierce, P-E-A-R-C-E.com.au forward slash Byron Bay. And you'll see all the details for the event there. There's some um, very special two-for-one tickets there. If you're going to bring a partner, a friend, a a teenage child, a colleague, um, anyone that you think is determined to, again, we use it a lot, Damon, make the rest of their life the best of their life, but address all eight areas of their life. That's your life purpose or career, which we've spoken on this episode, your movement, your social life, your nutrition, your love and relationships, your growth, your wealth, and your spirit, soul, and faith all over two days in Byron Bay. Head on over to marcuspierce.com.au forward slash Byron Bay. Beautiful. Perfect. Mate, thank you so much for the opportunity to just give some snippets out of uh, the book. And we've got to talk about, I only saw this on an email from you the other day, that you are back at the book writing desk and um, <laughs> having another crack after you had to rip up the manuscript after our first trip to mm. Ikaria. So maybe we can yes. get a sneak peek episode on what you're up to um, mm. on the on the new manuscript. Uh, again, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share a bit of mine with you this morning, but... Uh, Man, we'll have to we'll have to flip flip the script and um, see if you'll share with us a few headlines out of yours next time. Yeah, 
I might do that. I might just do that, PC, or I might still keep it under wraps. We'll yeah. see how we go. We'll see how you go. Well, folks, if you'd like to hear more of the great Damien Christoph, head on over to DamienChristoph.com. Myself, MarcusPierce.com.au. Big shout-out to everyone who makes this podcast possible. To our lovely listeners, we can't thank you enough. To our editor, Joseph Tomo, Rosie Garner, who does our social media. Please make sure, listeners, that you share this podcast with your friends and family. Open up a whole new world of listening experiences to them. Show them how to listen to podcasts, particularly the 100 Not Out podcast and important show them how to subscribe so they can check out the archives and all future episodes. Thanks again for your support of 100 Not Out and until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.